Welcome to the Gateways Beyond International Podcast, featuring inspirational teaching from our ministry bases in the nations. For more information, please visit us online at gatewaysbeyond.org. So, 2 Peter 1, verse 2, 3, and 4. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. And verse 4. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these promises... We may be partakers of the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world through lust. Wow. So this passage begins with an invitation in verse 2. Let grace and peace be multiplied to you. I actually stumbled. I didn't go to seminary or Bible school. So my, the things I find in scriptures, I find like I trip on them. I tr- stumble into some of those things. I'm like, whoa, I didn't know this was here. And uh, I was, one summer a few years ago, I was studying Paul's life. You know, Paul was the murderer of the first century church, the first church that was formed. And he was commissioning their, their killings. And then he had a radical transformation. And in his epistles, in his letters, he writes to them. And in the greeting, he's like affirming his call in God. I'm an apostle called by God. And he goes on and on to establish who he is to credit his own credibility. And in all of the greetings, he says, let grace and peace be given to you in the knowledge of Jesus. In the same kind of format. So I studied it. I'm like, oh, you know what? It's, it's, it's not just an email that they were writing. This was living words that he was speaking to the churches at that time. So I read through his, his writings. And I'm like, I wonder how the other writers, how the other epistles begin and how they start to greet the churches. So I began to read. And I stumbled on 2 Peter chapter 1. And here, Peter writes, let grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus. I'm like, wait, there's a completely different language and intensity in Peter's greeting. Then I read, I went back and read Paul's greeting again, grace and peace, let it be given to you. And then I come back to Peter, let grace and peace be multiplied to you. I'm like, this is not a casual greeting. If I had to choose between grace and peace being given or grace and peace being multiplied, come on. Multiplied. I don't even know what it means, but it sounds good. I'll take it. It's a a call and it's an invitation to accelerate into the things of God for us. He's setting us up in order that we participate in the divine nature of God. But in order to have that experience, we just can't get by with the normal grace and peace. Man, I would be fine to handle a little grace, a little peace. That'll get me by, get me through circumstances. But that's not the plane that he wants us to live in. And not just normal grace and peace, but multiplied grace and peace because something is being set up for us to experience in him. Come on. So I began to Compare these two, maybe it's also their personality. I began to compare the personality differences between Paul and Peter, you know. And I was thinking of Paul, he was, you know, he was killing the Christians in the first century church. Very passionate, learned, Hebrew among Hebrews, scholar among scholars. And here's what I'm thinking. God was thinking, this guy is killing my church. I have to do something. So he intervened, saved him, and he says, now I'm going to make him a preacher. 
So there's this account in scriptures where Paul is preaching and there's a man sitting on the windowsill. It says Paul preached all the way to midnight. And this poor dude was sitting on the windowsill. I don't know if he was bored by Paul's preaching or he was just late, but I don't know what. He fell asleep, fell down and died. Can you imagine what God is thinking? Man, I tried to correct things. I tried to make things right. And I saved this guy, Paul. He was killing the Christians at first. Now he's killing them by preaching to them. But thank God for the power of God that Paul walked with. He quickly ran outside, ran downstairs, fell on this guy, and resurrected him from, from the dead. Come on. But then when Peter preached, 2,000 were added. 3,000 were added. 5,000 were added. I'm like, I like Peter. <laughs> My ministry will end if somebody falls on the balcony. Don't lean over the balcony today, please. So there's a difference I saw in their personalities and how they responded uh, to Jesus and the call in their lives. And I was gravitated to Peter's writings. And, and in this invitation, let grace and peace be multiplied to you. There's a call for acceleration. There's a call for exponential multiplication so that we can live not only in the normal realm, that we can begin to live in the supernatural ways of God in our lives. Supernatural ways happen not because we went to a supernatural school. Supernatural ways happen because inside of us, there's a, there was that one line. There's a spirit man came alive. Awakened. Spirit man awakened. My spirit man still has long black curly hair. It's pretty intimidating. I'm, I'm pretty chill at home, and when I'm with my family and kids, I love hanging out. But when it comes to things of God, the spirit man, it's a real thing. It comes alive. It's like, ah, oh, it's just raw passion for him. And I identify with Peter because he had raw essence about him and how he responded to, to Jesus. Most of the time, missing it, messing up their whole flow, didn't understand Jesus' teachings, you know. And, and uh, all I, can, I can imagine all the disciples were, were fed up with Peter. You know, get thee behind me was one of his like landmark moments with in his relationship with Jesus. That will end your ministry, you know. But Peter kept going. He was always the first one. There's there's an account where where Jesus is now wanting to officially announce the his chosen 12 disciples. And he lines them up and it's recorded in scriptures. And he lines them up and he says, okay, now guys, line up. I want to make sure I have all of your names and your dad, dad's names. That's how they accounted for them. And he lined them up. And here's what it says. But first was Peter. Can you imagine the scene? Everyone's lining up. And Peter, everyone's just like, oh, okay, I want to be in that number. Peter's like, I just don't want to be in that number. I want to be the first in that count of, that's recorded. It, it says, but first was Peter. So this is, a, this is like a glimpse into the nature of Peter, and it's this Peter that's, that writes, let grace and peace be multiplied to you. It's, an, it's a call and an invitation, not for just normal life, but for an accelerated, multiplied grace and peace working in us to fulfill God's purposes. Thank you, Lord. This is something happened this year in, uh, on February 18th. There was a story I, I saw in the, in the news that an airplane, it's a 787 Dreamliner, flying from LAX to London. And you know, when, when airplanes fly from west, I should do it this way because this is your west. From west to east, they catch the jet stream and, and it helps 
you know, propel them. They use less fuel and they're able to get to the destination faster. As much as possible on their, on their journey, they try to catch the jet stream. Now, a jet stream basically is created when the cold air from the North Pole and the equatorial warmer air begin to come closer together. It compresses and there's a band of air that, that's created where the air moves very, very quickly. It's a, it's called, I think it's called Coriolis effect where, where, the, where, the, where the, the winds from the, from the movement of the earth from west to east, it creates a, create, the wind moves and then it's compressed between these two uh, difference. The dissonance of the temperature between the heat and cold, cooler airs creates a jet stream. Most airlines catch that jet stream. But within the jet stream, sometimes it gets even more intense and there's a jet streak that's created where the air currents are even faster. The tailwinds for airplanes are even faster. So put that, put that uh, news report from the, te- the UK Telegraph. A Virgin Atlantic jet set a new speed record on Monday, February 18th, flying from L.A. to London in just over nine hours after a powerful jet stream propelled it faster than the speed of sound over Pennsylvania. Come on. We think we're just meeting Sunday morning to worship and then we go to lunch and, you know, nothing changes. God is really shouting to us with a sign literally in the heavens above our heads. There's almost 5,500 miles between LAX and London. But it was right when the plane was above Pennsylvania that it hit the jet streak. It went faster than the speed of sound. I got in touch with this airline pilot. Guess what his name is? Peter. I preached the whole first service with that. I didn't even realize. The sister came up to me and said, did you realize the captain's name is Peter? I'm like, oh my gosh. See, I told you I stumble on these things. <laughs> put up, put up the, the, the Twitter uh, from him. This was live. Uh, Peter James, almost 800 miles now. Never, ever seen this kind of tailwind in my life as a commercial pilot. 200 miles per hour tailwind. So you know what the elapsed time was when they hit that tailwind? Three hours and 33 minutes. Now, if you're prophetic, you grab a hold of everything possible. Captain Peter is flying this plane. (laughs) Three hours, 33 minutes, and they're like, whoa, faster than the speed of sound. Here's the report. Here's what it says. This Dreamliner is not designed to fly that fast. It was a Dreamliner. Come on, Charles. Preach with me. You see, you got to grab, if you're prophetic, you grab everything. You grab everything that you can in what God, how God is speaking to us. And this jet stream is defined, I didn't make this up, this jet stream is defined as a river of air in the upper atmosphere. Come on. It's a river of air in the upper atmosphere that moves at an accelerated speed and it carries with it anything that comes into that stream. And it can do more than whatever you were designed and fashioned to do when you hit the jet stream. Come on. I love taking strengths finders tests and those kinds of things. You know, those are my strengths. Those are my weaknesses. I love it. But I'm not looking to live my life based on my strengths or weaknesses. I know them very well. I don't need, six, I don't need like three hour tests to tell me that. I'm looking for a stream that will carry me faster. 
Whenever I walk through an air- airport, I get on the moving sidewalk because it fuels my faith. When I travel with Charles, you do too. Charles gets exercise. He said, no, he's so fit. He ran a marathon not too long ago. He runs be- beside me. He's running that way and I'm on the moving sidewalk. He's getting fit. I'm getting fat. It works. But I love that feeling when you just, you're walking, you walk, I walk slower when you're on there because you feel like every step is just, you know, you know, it's such a good feeling. Thank you, Lord. So the invitation for us, let grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus, God and of Jesus our Lord. We cannot get by in these days just only by knowing what we know about him. We have to have the multiplied grace and peace revealing Christ to us in new ways that we've never seen before. Because if we catch that jet stream, we get to see what he's able to do through our lives. And our lives reveal Christ. In us and around us. Thank you, Lord. We become our own lesson. So he's inviting us into this multiplied way of life. This exponentially uh, accelerated way of life. Because, in verse 4, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these we may be partakers of the divine nature. The invitation is not to lead a good life and make it till the end and by the sweet by and by. I don't know who wrote that song. That's not what I'm living for. Who wants by and by when I can catch God in my life? I shared, I think, last, last Sunday in Isaiah, there's Isaiah 64. Is there anyone who will stir themselves up and grab a hold of God? Me. I want to live in that way, that I'm stirring my life and my family in order that we catch God in his movement in our lives. And if us, for us as a community, if each family, each individual, grab that acceleration for whatever sphere of influence you have, if it's business or in your faith life, as we grab a hold of it as a community and as a church, we move forward into God's plans for us. Thank you, Lord. So I began to think of Peter's life, you know, and he's inviting us. And it's a pretty, pretty intense invitation to participate in the divine nature of God. And I began to look through Peter's life and his story, trying to see if there's, you know, what, is, what gives him the credibility? What gives him the confidence to invite us? Because they lived it out. They were living epistles. They didn't have these chapters to read and they said, okay, this is how I want to live. They were living it out and then writing what they lived. So what, was, what did he live out that he had the confidence to invite us to participate in the divine nature of God? Surely it wasn't when Jesus rebuked him and said, get behind me, Satan. And one of the stories that I love about Peter is right after they, the disciples and Jesus fed the 5,000 amazing miracles out of their hands. The baskets were full and many baskets were left over. After that, Jesus said, okay, guys, go over to the other side of the Galilee. Get on the boat and I'll meet you there. I'll disperse the crowd and I'll meet you there. So Jesus disperses the crowd, goes up on a mountain. In the evening, he comes down and he thinks, okay, I'm, I, I need to catch up with my guys. You know, they're out at sea. And what had happened is in that evening, there was a, a, there was a strong um, storm. And it says the winds were high and the waves were high, crashing against the boat. And these, some of the disciples were fishermen, so they were trying to maneuver the boat, you know, trying to make it safely across to the other side. They were also afraid of, of the, because of, it's real danger. And while they were trying to maneuver their boat, trying to make it to the other side, 
at a distance, somebody sees something in the water and they say, guys, there's a ghost on the water. And everyone's like, what? A ghost? I've never seen a ghost. Where is it? And they're pointing out to the water. They say, look, by where the, the waves are strong over there, there's mist in the, in the air. Look at that. It looks like a person, a figure. I can't exactly tell what it is or who it is, but it's on the water. It looks like a person and it's a ghost. So all these disciples are in fear of what they're seeing and they run to the back of the boat and they're like, guys, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. What are we to do? We're going to die if the ghost looks like it's moving towards us. And they're all crouched down and it's like, shh, don't say a word. Maybe if we're quiet and hide, it's dark, pretty dark, you know, turn your phones off, turn the ringers off. Maybe he won't, the ghost won't see us and it'll pass by. So they're all crouched at the back of the boat trying to hide. And while they're hiding, one of them, good old Peter, decides to stand up and say, guys, I think that's Jesus. And all of them are going, not again, Peter. Not now. Sit down. Now is not the time for you to teach us what's what. That's a ghost. And Peter's like, no, guys, I think, I think it's Jesus. I think it's, I think it's him. I'm not sure. Yes, you're not sure. Sit down. No, I think it's, and he slowly inches to the front of the boat. He's like, this is how faith works. You're not sure if it is Jesus. Every time, you may have had amazing faith experiences, but when you're faced with it again, always it's like this. Your knees are fellowshipping one with another. (laughs) And you're looking out to something that everyone says it's a ghost. You're going to die. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work. This is the end. There's no more. You can't do it. All the impossibilities. But there's something stirring on the inside of you that there's a possibility that this could be Jesus. Faith always happens like that. You have to risk it. You have to risk it. You have to risk the fear of failure and ridicule in order to find the divine nature of God in those moments. Thank you, Lord. So Peter comes up and he says, Jesus, if it is you. No, he says, Jesus, is it you? And in Jesus, in his classic form, he says, it is I. Fellas, don't be afraid. Fear not, it is I. And, G- and Peter says, if it's you, call me to come out as well. Where does Peter get his training? Where does Peter get his theology that if it's Jesus, he can do the very same thing? Think about it. Put yourself in the boat. Heavy storm, high winds, and the, and the waves are, you know, beating against your boat. You're barely trying to make it. Everyone says it's a ghost, and you're not even sure it's Jesus. You're saying, Jesus, if it's you, call me to come out. If it was me, I'll be real. Jesus, is it you? Yes, Johnny, it's me. Come on, Jesus. We are waiting for you. Come on. Remember the last time you, you spoke and the storm was come? Come on. Here we are. Guys, it's Jesus. And they're all wave to get Jesus. I'm like getting the raft out, getting the ladder out, throwing a life, lifesaver out to Jesus. Come on. Jesus is here. Everything's going to be okay. Wouldn't that be what we would have done? Something was different about Peter. And it's this Peter that writes, let grace and peace be multiplied. It's an invitation out of the stirring of his own life. Let grace and peace be multiplied in order that you have the courage to experience the divine nature of God. And you can dare to ask him, if it's you, call me to come out as well. I love this story. You know, 
the reason that he has confidence, he's not sure still that it's Jesus, but there's a memory that he has in his first encounter with Jesus where he was mending the nets by the same seashore, and Jesus comes up to him. He doesn't know Jesus from Adam at that point, and he speaks to Peter, Peter, follow me. And he immediately left everything to follow Jesus. You see, what was happening at that moment was a call of God over Peter's life. He knew the power, it had power to reveal and release his calling in his life. That's why he immediately left and began to follow him. He didn't lay out a blueprint or a five-year plan. It was a sound of a creative word that existed from the very beginning. In the beginning was the word. It's that word that created everything we see around us. And he remembered that word. That invitation had power. So he said, I know how I can test if this is Jesus. Hey, if it is Jesus, if it is you, call me to come out. And Peter said it again. Jesus said it again. Peter, it's me. Follow me. And he said, that's it. That's him. That's a very, I feel the same creative power, unction rising in me. And Peter begins, jumps out of the boat and begins to walk on the water. You know, in, in the description of this story... Many artists and painters have painted amazing uh, scenes from the story. And what's the usual picture that we get from the story? Peter, underwater, or half underwater, and with his hands stretched out, and Jesus is standing like Superman, you know, stretching out. Mike, I don't know if you've drawn a picture like this, but don't, don't shake your head. Don't, don't tell me this, because I don't like this picture. I don't like this picture. I, I actually hate this picture because it doesn't reveal this encounter. It doesn't reveal what was going on here. Peter dared to step out and walk all the way to Jesus. And when he gets there, he begins to look at the waves and the winds and the, you know, all of the, the trouble around him. And then he begins to drown and he reaches out his hands and says, Jesus, save me. And Jesus stretches out his hand, grabs Peter and pulls him out. You know, we know what it says in this passage, oh, you of little faith. And I, I read it in different translations. You know what my favorite translation is? It's the translation of the heart of God towards me. Can you imagine Peter in this situation, underwater, drowning and trying to stay alive? He said, Jesus, help me. I messed up. I, just, I shouldn't have done it. You know, he's crying out to him. He picks him up and says, Peter, you of little faith. Can you imagine Peter's response? Me of little faith? What do you mean me of little faith? Those guys, they didn't, even, they didn't even come to the front of the boat. They don't even have any faith. I at least had some. There's no way Jesus would have rebuked him. This is how I hear those words coming through the filter of the heart of God. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And the spirit of prophecy comes to edify, exhort, and comfort us. And he reaches to him and says, Peter, you had it all. Why did you stop believing? Why did you stop? You had it. You believed me. You stepped out and you walked on water. At this moment, come on, get up. Why did you stop believing? Come on. Thank you, Lord. I want to pray the end for any of us who've had pursuits after God that have ended in Failure ended in disappointment, ended where you've, you've incurred loss, ended in tragedy. Whatever your situation is, God wants to rewrite your story. 
God wants to change the narrative of your story of your life because in him, we never fail. Our story doesn't end with failure. Failure becomes an opportunity for the rescue of God into our lives in order that we have now another story to tell. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So he picks him up out of the water. Now here's Peter standing drenching wet, drenched fully wet in his failure. He was the most passionate one, the most radical one. He wanted it all. Ah, I'm going out, jumping out on water. Such an idiot, right? He gets out, he drowns, and all the, I can imagine all the other disciples are like, I told you, I told you we shouldn't have done this. Now look what Jesus has to do. I think it's still Jesus. If it is, you're saved. If it's not, you're the first one to die. They're still not sure what's going on. And he gets out the narrative, the untold story of Peter's life in this moment, in this story, is this. He gets him out from the water, and he stands him right next to him. Peter is still drenched wet with his failure, with his disappointment. I messed up. I got it wrong. I should have stayed in the boat and just waved him in. I I did it again. But Jesus says, now, Peter, grab my hand. And Jesus and Peter hold hands and he turns him around to the boat to face the very critics, the very voices that were telling him, you're going to die. You're not going to, this is not going to end well. This is dangerous. Don't do it. All the fear and the unbelief in the back of the boat. He says, now turn around and face them. Let them see you holding my hand. Not only did you walk to me, now you get to turn around and walk with me to the boat. Come on. In scriptures, in the account, in Matthew, here's what it says. He picked him up out of the water, and then they, were, they got into the boat. I'm like, wait, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. Let's, re- let's rewind a little bit. Something happened in between him pulling him out and getting in the boat. It's this account in my imagination that he now... Walk with Jesus back to the boat. Many of us, we lose heart when we drown and fail with all of our good intents after God. Whether it's in our faith pursuit, whether businesses, whatever sphere of influence in our lives, that we have stopped God saying, it's not over yet. It is not over yet. Stand up and I am now going to, because you stepped out, that becomes your identity all the time. The identity of Peter is not the guy who drowned. That's why I hate those painting artistic expressions. Because all of them you see Peter drowning. That's not his identity in the story. The identity of Peter in this story is that he participated in the divine nature of God. I saw a recent painting where it was even more creative. Because the scene was from under the water. And Jesus' hand in perspective is coming towards. And Peter's reaching out. Man. That's like extra nonsense. <laughs> you, know, you know what I would like artist Mike, maybe you can do this for me. You know what picture I would like to see? Jesus says, Peter, it's me. Come out. And Peter's like, whoa, it is Jesus. Guys, it's Jesus. And they're like, Peter, you're going to die. And Peter's like grabbing on something. Because there's a difference. There's a, you know, the height from the boat to the water. And he's like grabbing something. I don't know how he got into the water. You know? So what I want to see is like the backside of 
see that moment when Peter's feet touch water. Can you imagine his face? I want to see like a front and back image of this, of this scene. One is his backside when his feet first touch. And, this, and from the other side, if you want perspective, the other side, Peter going, it's working, it's working. Can you imagine the glory? He didn't do this because there were scriptures that said you should do it. He did it because there was a stirring in his heart for Jesus, even when he wasn't sure that it was him. Don't wait for a five-year blueprint when you have a stirring and an inkling in your heart that Jesus is in in front of you. Step out. Step out in whatever area of influence God has given you. Live in that jet stream which will propel you and make you do things you could never do on your own. This is the gospel we were singing about. Anything short of this, forget it. I don't want a part of it. With all of the things that, you know, the, the end of this verse, it says that we may be partakers of the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world through lust. With all of the perversion in our culture today, which is increasing, you know what the solution is? Those that love Jesus and have a stirring in their hearts to accomplish more than they think they can ever do. Through participating with the divine nature in your life. Thank you, Lord. No failure is your identity. If you stepped out the first time, that's who you are forever. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And here's what it says. I'm going to close with this. The closer to the, um, during the, the Last Supper, Jesus now had the Last Supper with his disciples. He's giving them their final encouragement before he journeys alone to the cross. This is his last conversation with his disciples. And in the Passion Translation, let's read this. Luke twenty two thirty one. It says this, Peter, my dear friend, come on. He addresses all 12 of his disciples are there, but he calls out and talks to one of them. Peter, my dear friend, Simon, Simon. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Satan has obtained permission to come and sift you like wheat and test your faith. But I have prayed for you, Peter, that you would stay faithful to me no matter what comes. Remember this. After you have turned back to me and have been restored, make it your life mission to strengthen the faith of your brothers. Come on. This is the filter of the heart of God for us. Right after this, it says Jesus prophesied now. To Peter saying, Peter, you will deny me three times. But that's not the account. Even in my Bible, in your Bible, you can see the subheading for this dialogue with Peter is, Peter denies Jesus. It must be the same artist who painted Peter under the water. (laughs) Who's writing subtitles in my Bible. Ridiculous. It doesn't begin with Peter denying Jesus. It says, Peter, you know, the language of heaven. After, he doesn't even say in that first 
descriptive. He doesn't even say you're going to fail, you're going to die. He said, after you have returned to me. Come on. Failure is not even in his language concerning us. Disappointment is not even in his language. He said, after you have risen up from the disappointment, after you've seen the other side, because we sang that he saw the other side for us. And he's calling us to the same with every circumstance of our life. After you have returned to me, make this your life mission to stir and encourage the faith of all your brothers. I want to change the narrative. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Lord. I want us to change the narrative of our life and our journey and our pursuit of God that may never have a subtitle, Chandi denied Jesus. Come on, may it have a subtitle, Chandi encouraged the faith of his brothers. Everything else is detail. Everything else is insignificant in the language of heaven for our lives. Thank you, Lord.